Um, today's podcast will be with Mark C. Winters, an oldie but goodie. I did this when I was 21 years old. I'm just throwing it now into the mix. It's about entrepreneurship. What kind of personality are you if you're an entrepreneur? Are you a visionary or are you an integrator? Um, there's a personality test to find out, and I'll include that in the show notes. Uh, please like, comment, subscribe that you love Millennial Highway, you love your best friend, your favorite podcast host, Peter Hughes, he's the man, the myth, the legend, and he's right here to interview Mark C. Winters. Check out the podcast now. It's Millennial Highway. If you're on the highway of life, so why not join me, Peter Hughes, in the fast lane? guys, Jordan Harbinger here, former host of The Art of Charm and current host of The Jordan Harbinger Show, because I'm really creative with naming my new show, apparently. And now I'm helping out a good friend of mine, Peter Huseth, with his podcast, Millennial Highway. You're listening to Millennial Highway. This is the podcast of your generation. You're on the highway of life, so why not join us in the fast lane? All right, we're recording. All right. Hey guys, I'm with Mark C. Winters, co-author of Rocket Fuel, visionary, CEO of Rocket Fuel Ventures, and all-around great guy. Uh, Mark, how are you? I'm doing great, Peter. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Thank you for being with me. This is hey, fun. <laughs> my, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So, I guess like my first question would be, uh, if you could describe what you do in one sentence, what would it be? I help entrepreneurs get their company to do what they originally intended it to do. Awesome. Okay. Uh, what, what does that, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Great. See, that's, that's, that's the whole point of being able to say it in one question is get you to ask me, what does that mean? All yeah. right. So, so, so here, here's what it means in, in my experience as an entrepreneur and, and with many of the entrepreneurs I've worked with, when someone takes that entrepreneurial leap, they have some picture of, of some form of freedom in their head. They're like, Oh man, this is going to be great. I'm, I'm going to, you know, not have to work for anybody. I'm going to have tons of time. I'm going to make all kinds of money. I'm going to be able to work with the people I really want to work with. And then fast forward six months, 18 months, three years, whatever. And they often find themselves in what they would probably describe as a form of hell. They're in what is adding up to the worst hourly paid job they've ever had because they're working their tails off. They're not making a ton of money. Uh, they're not necessarily liking the people they're working with. They don't feel like they're making a difference. And so it doesn't look anything like what it looked like in their head when they made that original leap. So that's where I come in is I want to help them get that clarity back and focus on at this point, the, the entrepreneur the business. Okay. Right. They're, they're, they're in it, but they're doing it all right. right. And so there's things they have to fix. There's things they have to put in place so that eventually they can get to that place that they thought it was going to look like when they, when they first took the jump. Does that make okay. more sense? That, that makes more sense. Yeah. So, um, you're, you're a certified, if I say this correctly, EOS implementer. Implementer, very good. Is that is that all? Does this is correlate in the whole yeah, so, development? 
Yeah, so EOS is the Entrepreneurial Operating System. It was created uh, by my friend and co-author Gino Wickman. Gino's the guy that uh, I wrote Rocket Fuel with. Okay. And he, he invented EOS as a system for entrepreneurs to use to run their business, to run their company. And so that's what that is. So I'm a certified EOS implementer. So I uh, part of what I do is I help uh, entrepreneurs who choose EOS as their operating system to implement that system in their business, in their company. Okay. And is it kind of like a consultant in a way for entrepreneurs? Yeah. I mean, you could think yeah. of me as a, as a coach, you could think of me as a teacher. Uh, I'm usually working with a team. So I'm working not just with the entrepreneur, but with their other leaders. So their leadership right. team. So I have to be also a little bit of a facilitator because I've got to, I've got to get the answers out of them. You know, they all have answers individually, but then when they're together as a group, you got to get them on the same page and get them aligned and get them to think about the different perspectives. Right. And choose choose the direction they're going to take so you're trying to get them to like like kind of like think for themselves trying to figure out on their own or like you're you're guiding them but like, well I'm, I'm i'm guiding them you know usually the answers are are there uh but they just don't all agree on what they are okay and so they've gotta they've gotta be asked the important questions so that's part of it is, right. is, you know, there's a handful of questions that are really important that they get clear on. And then, uh, you know, they need to be answering them in the same way or at least agree on what the right answer is that they're going to go with and they're going to commit to and they're going to line up behind. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, makes, that makes sense. Um, so, like, you kind of, like, talk about, like, the difference between, like, uh, like a visionary, as I introduced you as uh, for the show, but like, what, what is an in, a visionary and then the other term, an integrator? Great. And like, what's like the difference between that? Yeah. So, so what we see in, you know, entrepreneurial businesses of a certain size, and I want you to think of companies that are somewhere between 10 and 250 people. Okay. So they're just kind of coming up the curve. They've, they've sort of passed the survival test. So they've been able to get off the ground and now they're in that stage of building out a, a leadership team and kind of getting some scale. Right. Uh, the ones that really go to a different level are the companies that have those two different kinds of leaders that you just described, a visionary and an integrator. So the way I want you to think about those, visionary is the entrepreneur that everybody typically thinks of. They're the ones who are coming up with lots of ideas. They're thinking way out in the future. You know, they're really good externally at dealing with, you know, investors and uh, the people in the marketplace, big customers. You know, they're, they're kind of a face of, of the company a lot of times. Like Steve Jobs. He's sort of a classic visionary, right? Yeah. And, and uh, the, the integrator, is the other side of that equation that is much more execution focused. So their uh, secret power is being able to listen to the visionary, filter through all those ideas that are coming out. A lot of, of them that may be crazy ideas and dangerous ideas and, and right. grab a hold of the, the couple that are really, really good and then run with them and make them happen. So the integrator is all about making it happen. The visionary is making stuff up and the integrator is making it real or, or making it happen. And together, when we get an entrepreneurial business of that stage that has both of those two things together, uh, it's a really powerful thing. So we call it rocket fuel because it really, uh, oh, in, in, in our experience, it, it propels the business to a whole different level. They grow much faster, much higher. Uh, I mean, they're just able to do things that companies without that combination are able to do. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Cause I, if I had to classify myself, I guess as a, I probably do go with the visionary route because like, I know like, 
I've talked with other people about this before. I've tried to make my whole millennial highway podcast into like a startup and they're like doing like a bunch of like crazy ideas. And I had a buddy of mine who would work with me. We would kind of partner up and I would like list off like these crazy ideas and he would just look at me like I'm stupid. And, and he's like, well, I like that one. Let's try to do that. So it's kind of like the perfect, it's basically what you're describing. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're, they're a filter for a visionary. So, yeah. so let me ask you this. Have you taken the assessments that we have online? I haven't, I've seen the assessments. I haven't taken them. Do the, you, got, you got to take them. It'll just take you, it'll just take you a couple of minutes. There's, there's one for visionary and one for integrator. You should take both. Everybody should always take both right. and, and get a perspective. And cause what you find is some people are very highly developed as a visionary and not at all as an integrator. Okay. Some are exactly the opposite. And then some are some different combination in, in between. So you need to understand, you know, what you are, and then in, in your example, if there's somebody that you're working with, you want to understand what they are and what we're looking for. We call it a two piece puzzle. We're looking for the two that are complementary. So between the two of you, one of you at least needs to be strong on everything in those assessments. And then, you know, when, when somebody's not as strong, you just want to make sure that, you know, we've got them covered. It's okay if right, you're exactly. both strong on some things, but we don't want to have a bunch of holes between the two of you where neither one of you are, are good at it or, or really built. For right. That. Right. So can you be both like, as yeah, so it's very rare and and it's typically a a trap that comes from the fact that a lot of founding entrepreneurs just out of necessity and uh you know trying to survive, they have gotten good at a lot of stuff. So the reality is they can do things that integrators do, but if they're really honest with themselves, most of the time they don't really like that stuff. Right. And if they had a choice of doing the visionary stuff or the integrator stuff, they would choose, you know, one or the other. Right. So, right. so, so that's where you got to be really honest with yourself. And it's a very, very small percentage of the population out there that that's actually highly developed uh, truly uh, in both. That's interesting. Oh yeah. That, that, that's kind of what I was going to get to as far as like, I don't know if you could just take a poll on like society, maybe the U S I don't know, maybe another country might be different. Visionary integrators at 50, 50, 30, 70, or what it was to like. So, so really good question. So what we found is the ratio is actually four to one in favor of the visionary, meaning there's four visionaries out there for every one integrator. So that actually creates a pretty big problem. Problem. Yeah. That's right. And there's, yeah. there's not enough integrators to go around and it gets worse because that one integrator wouldn't fit for all four of those visionaries because of the two right. puzzle, right? right? You've got to find that complimentary match. So one, yeah. So what I tell, you know, my visionaries is, look, you better get on the ball. If you, if you want to get an integrator, you need to be out there in the marketplace and, and, and looking for them and trying to find that integrator that's going to be a, a great complimentary fit for you. And what I tell the integrators is, hey, we need you. There's lots of entrepreneurs out there, lots of visionaries that need help. So you need to recognize that that's what you are and that's the kind of impact you can have and, and start looking as well. You know, get your, get your name out there, get yourself out there so that uh, you can get paired up with a, with a visionary. Okay. So say you take the assessment test, you find out what you are, a visionary integrator. Um, how do you find your basically match, matching complement? Great. So, so in the book, Rocket Fuel, we, we talk about a uh, seven-step connection process. 
Okay. And the the important thing to think about is really the first four steps of that are all about you. It's all about really introspection and getting really clear on understanding uh, yourself, uh, what you're great at, you know, what you don't like, what, the, the company really needs, uh, how ready you are. It's all kinds of things like that so that you really understand uh, that you're ready for this and uh, what you're going to need in that complimentary fit, right? So that's the whole first part of it. Then after that, it's about getting the word out there and there's different ways to do that. So there are uh, recruiters that are getting very focused in their in their practice on finding integrators. So they're specializing and they're getting really good at this. So we have some folks on our resource list that are, are, are you know, if, if that's the route someone wanted to go, they could do that. But then short of that, it's just, you know, let the folks in your professional network know you're looking. So this integrator term is beginning to become a real uh, recognized and used terms. So on LinkedIn, I see people changing their, their headline or their title to integrator. And I see folks that are doing, oh yeah. And and I see folks that are doing, uh, searches and they're looking for a, an integrator. And I see people on their business cards are putting integrator. So it's a, it's a real thing. So, you know, you get to that stage where you've decided this is what you want to do and you're committed to to finding your integrator, uh, you know, that's, that's a big step is get, understand yourself and then get the word out there and let people know that's what you're looking for. Right. Right. So I'm assuming like LinkedIn is, is a pretty powerful platform for finding your link. Yeah. Link, LinkedIn's great. In fact, we have a, uh, we have a private group for visionaries integrators on LinkedIn and, and uh, you know, some of the discussion threads on there are literally visionaries looking for integrators, integrators looking for visionaries where people are posting, Hey, I'm, you know, in this city, you know, I have this kind of experience, you know, here's what I'm looking for. So we have people getting connected and, and paired up right through that group on, on LinkedIn. So that's another resource for you. That's cool. Yeah. I, I, the reason, the reason I say that is like, when I kind of started this whole thing, I basically like, I use LinkedIn as like basically just sending out messages and invitations to like just a bunch of people. And then the people who bought, uh, you know, took the messages and set something up. It just works for like networking purposes like really, really well. Yeah. No, I mean, your, yeah. your podcast will be great for you to meet tons of people because you'll get different folks on and, you know, they'll know people and, and you'll just get exposed to a lot of stuff. So this will be a great, I mean, your, your network is going to grow uh, really really fast just from doing this, this project. Right. It's like already starting to take off just a little bit, but yeah, it's cool. So, um, what about like, so you went to OU, um, what did, what you major in YOU, um, kind of like versus maybe any other college girl, did you you grow up in Texas? I grew up in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah. Small town in eastern Oklahoma, uh, and you know my my family. So I'm I'm third generation OU. Uh, my two sons that are up there actually one just graduated. You know they're fourth generation. So we've got. I mean that's that's one of the big reasons why I chose OU. And I got to tell you, I think OU is a lot better school now than it was when uh, when I decided to go there. You know, for what that's worth. But you know originally uh, I went to I went to school in 1983. And have you ever seen the show, The Six Million Dollar Man? That sounds very familiar. So there was a show. How old are you? 
I'm 21. Great. Yeah. So, so there was a show way back, way back in the, you know, seventies and eighties called the, the $6 million man. And uh, the character was named Steve Austin. And Steve Austin was a, like a test pilot that had a, had a bad wreck and he was going to die. And, and instead of letting him die, they rebuilt him uh, with bionic technology. So, so he was, he was, biologically augmented with all these machines, which I've heard about this. Yeah. Okay. You've heard about it. So he could, you yeah. know, he could, he could run like, you know, 60 miles an hour. He had supervision, he could super hearing, he had all these, all these powers. And so, you know, back then that sounded so crazy science fiction, right? And that now we're starting to see a lot of that stuff actually become real. Right. So, so when I went to college, Peter, I was going to, I was going to build the $6 million man. So I, I originally went to school as a biomechanical engineer. So I was uh, in engineering, but pre-med and, you know, funny, funny story about that. My dad's a doctor. So I grew up around medicine my whole life mm. and, and candidly probably took it for granted. Right. I thought, ah, eh, you know, if I don't want to do anything else, I'll just be a doctor. Right. And what I found when I got in school was, you know what, this stuff's a little harder than that. You got to yeah. kind of <laughs> pay attention and, and right. work hard here. So, so gradually what happened to me was I, I started peeling away parts of my major. So, you know, I wasn't as committed to building the $6 million man as I, as I needed to be to do the work that was going to be required for me to do that. Okay. So I, I, I dropped the pre-med and then I dropped the engineering and then I ultimately ended up in the business school and uh, was a finance major. And okay. so that's what I graduated with. I graduated with a, uh, a BBA in finance. And uh, out of college, I mean, I don't know how much of this you want to get into out of college. Let's just go from there. So that's what I did. So I went to OU and uh, changed my major a couple of times, ended up with a, with a business degree. Nice. Um, <laughs> I guess, what, so like uh, out of college, um, first job, like what, what, what were you doing? So I was recruited by Procter & Gamble. Okay. And uh, to be a in their sales function. So Procter & Gamble at that point in time was known as a great uh, place for training. It was a great place to learn and, and get experience. Big company. They've made basically half the stuff you'd see on the shelves in the grocery store. Right. Uh, so, you know, that was, that was pretty cool. That was my first experience. I uh, uh, you know, was responsible for grocery store chains and groups and regions and then ultimately kind of went up through their management development program to have sales reps that worked for me and bigger accounts and all that kind of stuff. So right. that was my, that was my first job. With the business world. Yeah. And with, well, specifically with the big corporate world, right? right. So, yeah. I mean, big company, uh, very old, very uh, established at that point, that company only promoted from within. So imagine that. So a, a oh, company wow. that only promotes from within. So it, the only way that you join Procter and Gamble is at that entry level, and right. then from from there, it's you basically it's a you get well, it's a it's a it's a survival of the fittest. Right. So right. you know, some go up, it's or you go, or, yeah, or you go, yeah. or you go, or you go out. Yeah. You know, if you if you're on the development track and you haven't moved fast enough, then you're probably not going to be around. So uh, that's what I grew up in. And uh, along that path, I got the bug to get a graduate degree. So I, and actually this, this story may be interesting for your audience because when I started off, I started in the sales function. And I remember when I showed up, one of the messages that we were given was, 
you know, sales, I was given an article out of, you know, Fortune magazine or something like that, that looked at all the, these top executives of big companies that came from a background in sales. And the, the message that came with that was, hey, look, you're in the perfect place. You're going to learn everything you need to know. You're going to be positioned to basically have, you know, huge responsibilities uh, in, in this company. And then as I got to look in more specifically at Procter & Gamble, what I found was in that company, all of the top executives did not come from sales. They came from brand management. And they all had a top tier business school MBA. And so I kind of figured out that, you know what, the road I was on, if I wanted to be the CEO of Procter & Gamble, I didn't have the credentials I needed. I didn't have really the background that had been shown that they were going to be looking for. So that's when I started uh, looking at business schools okay. and ultimately uh, went to business school at the University of Chicago on a part-time basis, a weekend program. So I'd get up about you know, three o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning, I would oh, wow. fly to Chicago. I'd spend all day in class on Saturday and then I'd get home about 1230 at night on Saturday and did that Ooh, for, for you? 40 right. weeks a year. At the time, were you in So Oklahoma? initially I was in Kansas City. Wow. And then okay. part way through that, I took an assignment with Procter & Gamble in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which was a little bit closer. So instead of having to fly, I, would, I could actually drive. Uh, but, you know, did that for two and a half years. And got my MBA. And in graduate school is where flights? I really caught, actually, great story. So the company actually paid for that. Oh, nice. Okay. So, so Procter & Gamble was paying for my education, uh, at least at first. And, but then halfway through that whole experience, I, I through some projects I was working on uh, in, in business school, I really caught the entrepreneurial bug pretty bad. And, right. and so I, I saw that, you know what, the interesting stuff I wanted to do, I was not going to be able to do at Procter and Gamble, even though I was, you know, taking that step to, to, mm. to, you know, make myself more promotable. Right. Uh, but, but entrepreneurship was what I wanted to do. So I decided to leave Procter and Gamble actually while I was still in business school. So when I left Procter and Gamble, they quit paying for my business school. Right. Well, what's up with that? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah so, that, so, so I paid, I paid for part of it. They paid for part of it. But then, okay. uh, after, after school, after graduate school, that's when I started my first, first company. So, so question, um, I guess, I don't know if this would be a controversial topic or not, but do you think that like without those years of, uh, college and then, uh, your, your graduate career, you think if you would have just, bypass the whole collegiate experience that you could get to where you are today? Impossible. Yeah. Impossible to say. Impossible <laughs> to say because there's so many, uh, so many layers, Peter, at this stage uh, of, of what's happened. So I'll, I'll tell you this, the, the thing that got me a job out of college was not my degree. It was the fact that I'd been president of a big fraternity. The thing that, that got me uh, in graduate school at the University of Chicago was not my undergraduate degree or my grade point. It was the fact that I had the work experience with a big name blue chip company. Uh, the thing that allowed me to get funding for my first business was probably the fact that I had an MBA from the University of Chicago. Right. The thing that got me uh, my next big uh, entrepreneurial opportunity was not that I had had some entrepreneurial successes, but it was that I had uh, failed 
that I'd had an entrepreneurial failure. And it's just, it's just kind of one sort of, sort of, uh, you know, hard to predict layer after another like that. So now I look back at all that and it's just a mosaic that somehow worked and somehow got me to a place where I had the set of experiences that I needed to, to be able to be successful doing the stuff I wanted to do. Interesting. Right. I don't know. I don't know if I could have planned it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I, I think I know what you're getting at. All right. Um, I, I guess like we could just do some fun questions for okay. the end of the interview. Cool. I'll give you a couple short ones. Um, you might have to think a little bit, but just kind of think whatever comes to your mind. Um, if you were given an envelope with the time and date of your death inside, would you open it? No, no. Okay. Um, I probably wouldn't either. Uh, are humans better at creation or destruction? Uh, creation, uh, because I actually even think that destruction is a form of creation. Interesting. It's just yeah. another form of change. I guess I could see that in a way. Yeah. Um, in one word, what is the purpose of human life? <laughs> I just found these off the internet, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but, so, uh, that's actually a really good question. Yeah. One word, if I'm going to pick one word, I'll say growth. Okay. I like it. I like it. Um, going back to the whole visionary integrator thing. Um, if anyone's political or what is Donald Trump as far as the visionary or integrator? Oh, you, you know this one. I've already given you the answer to that one. You, you tell yeah. me what's the answer to that question. Um, I would say he's, he's a visionary. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And the, you know, the interesting thing is he's a, uh, you know, what we would call a flaming visionary. I mean, he's way out on the extreme and uh, probably uh, would benefit himself if he would uh, allow someone to be more of a, uh, a strong integrator for him. Right. Yeah, that's actually an interesting case study. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's in a way it's completely different and totally irrelevant from, you know, what we talk about. Right. We're, we're really talking about entrepreneurial companies Our between, you know, yeah. 10 and 250 people, but, just to play the, just to play the game. Yeah. If, if he would let himself have a strong integrator to, to, to play that counterpart to him. Uh, I mean, who knows what positive impact that might have on, on, you know, what he was able to get done. He could still really push the envelope, but uh, I mean, you can kind of see the team around him trying to do that. And it's just, it's really hard because he's, he's, uh, he pushes that edge right. so hard. So, yeah. Yeah. Give you another example. You're, I mean, you're, you're a Dallas kid, yeah. Jerry Jones. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. What's Jerry, what's Jerry Jones? I don't have to say he's a visionary. If oh, textbook, stadium. right? I mean, yeah. he's to totally, <laughs> totally textbook visionary, but look at how uh, difficult it is for him to let somebody be, you know, the, the general manager, uh, or that, that would be effectively the integrator role if he would let someone play it. And I think, you know, right, Steve, he yeah, he does both yeah. and, and he's not both. Right. And so, right. and I think that gets him in trouble sometimes, you know, he's getting better now, I think as he's getting older and, and like Steven's getting older and, and maybe even Charlotte to a degree. But, uh, you know, I think that's another classic example of, of right. somebody who a visionary, uh, on their own, uh, you know, man, creating a lot of, a lot of havoc. 
Thank you guys for listening to uh, that podcast. Um, subscribe on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts and wherever else you get your podcasts. We're out there. Millennial Highway. Just look it up. Look it up on your phone. Tell your grandma. Tell your grandma's cousin. Tell, tell everyone about it because uh, Millennial Highway is here to stay. And Peter Huseth is the man to interview and listen to. And this is the topic. 2020 is a decade of the Millennials, people. So we better get out there. And we're off to a crazy start already with the coronavirus and everything else going on. But thank you guys for listening. Uh, just a recap of the episode, one of my favorite things was how Mark C. Winters did not know where he was going. But he knew that his money and success were goals of his, and he took action, despite risk, and, uh, and did well for himself, even though he didn't know the path in front of him exactly. So let that be a lesson, one of the many lessons that you can learn. Um, that was an, an older episode, and I'll be keep throwing out some older episodes, but new episodes every week. Um, and just like, comment, subscribe. Yeah. Peace. See you guys next week.